Welcome to the Hop and Brew School podcast. I'm Justin Crosley. I'm Nick Ziegler. And we are live from the National Homebrewers Conference at, at Homebrew Con. Day two, Nick. Yeah, we, we keep messing it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it Old right. Old dogs, new tricks, man. Yeah. At Homebrew Con, live from uh, Providence, Rhode Island. We're on the floor right across the street from the Yakima Chief Hops booth. Um, and I've spent uh, another night out with homebrewers, Nick. Oh, God. Are you alive? Uh, I, I mean, it, it's relative. Everything's relative. <laughs> At this point, I was doing fine. Uh, I had a nice time out with the homebrewers, then came back to the hotel like a like a good boy should, and and then the lobby is full with homebrewers doing a bottle share. Oh god, nice. you know it's, and, it's hard they, to turn down. Well, especially because they were in between me and the elevator, and so anytime you gotta you gotta run that gauntlet, it's just nearly impossible to make it through unscathed. And at this point, you're famous enough that uh, everybody wants you to try everything. So. Uh, you know, fame is not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that right <laughs> Joining us today, we've got uh, Rick Sove. He's one of the growers, uh, one of the farmers with uh, Yakima Chief Hops. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, also a Dodger fan. I just want to get that out of the way right now. Yes. Uh, well, one again last night. Just want to let you know. So they're still rolling along. <laughs> they did. They did. Uh, we've also got Mike Gettle uh, sitting with us today. Uh, welcome, Mike. Thank you, Justin. Uh, what's your baseball team? Who's your Minnesota baseball Twins. Team? First, Twins. First place Minnesota Twins. They Leading are. the major leagues in home runs, Minnesota Twins. They're killing it right now. Yeah. Uh, and then joining us once again, happy to have you back, Steve Carpenter. Great to be back, Justin. One of the only gentlemen with me at the table who has his own baseball card, though. That's right. So he's got that uh, going. Uh, that's you know. true. Yeah, that's a whole different level, right? There. I had to ice the hand down last night, you know, because of all the, the right signing we did. All yep. the signing. <laughs> yeah, you did <laughs> sign my card. That's true. Um, Steve uh, is a Giants fan, I believe. I am. That's my National League team. Okay. I like the Mariners in the American League and the Giants and the uh, National League. Gotcha. Well, I guess the Mariners are closest to you in Yakima, right? So you got to have that. And, and this year, they're the closest in records as well. Yeah. So, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is not a, a good thing to, to, to brag about. <laughs> and, they're, and they're closest to your new blend of hops as well. So, yeah. I... I guess that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you switch the words around just a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Close. Yeah. Um, now, I just want to point out uh, the Yakima Chief Hops booth, which is a beautiful booth. It, the first time in my in my 14 years of doing this conference have I seen a line that sort of wraps around the, the expo hall waiting to get your hops in their hands. Uh, what kind of which hops are you guys giving away at the booth uh, this this year? I know some of the of the of the cluster fuggets. Our, our new cluster fugget blend is, is going off the shelf like hotcakes. Yep. Uh, we've actually, Justin, I just checked, the line extends all the way to the back wall right now. Which is just ridiculous. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, these guys, they, the homebrewers spend a lot of money to come to the conference. We want to do our part to make sure they're getting their money's worth. As so you should. It's, it's, it's fun to do. You guys are making hops cool again. We're trying. trying as, our best. as if hops needed help, but you guys are making hops cool again. Absolutely. We're trying. And we've got about 25 different uh, varieties uh, for, for, for brewers. And there, there are populars and, and, and up-and-coming experimentals. We're really trying to pride ourselves on making sure that the uh, the home brewers have the cutting-edge hops as well, and it's not just for the commercial brewers. Sure. Mm -hmm. 
well, actually, when we released Sabro, that was initially uh, really targeted towards the homebrewers because that was, you know, sort of uh, Carl's approach was to give back to that homebrew market uh, first. Um, okay. So that was one of the one of the things that we pursued. So that's a, we actually really do value um, our smallest customers. It, it had homebrewers. a little different name back then, Nick. I, I think it did. Yeah, Sabro uh, did. Yes. What was it back then? <laughs> Ron Mexico. Oh yeah. Yes. I actually remember that. I've been around a little while too. <laughs> Ron Mexico, huh? Ronnie. I think if you still go to uh, Russian River, he still bottles it under that name, right? You're right. Yeah, so Ron Mexico, right? and, that's, uh, and that's part of the fun of these uh, these different hops. You know, the experimentals in particular. You get out to different brewers; they try them out. Uh, Sabro was really uh, uh, with Ron, Vinny at Russian River, and you know, 472, another great uh, experimental hop we've got right now, has been with Dogfish Head. Mm-hmm. So it's a, big, it's a big, big part of what we try to do is get these hops out to both uh, home brewers for their feedback, but also commercial brewers. And that's part of that whole iterative process that we do with uh, the growers, you know, to figure out what's going to stick. It, it takes a long time to make these hops come to fruition. So that's always interesting to me because by the time it gets to us, we're, you know, it's this new and experimental hop. Like you mentioned 472 and, and, and us home brewers, and we're all excited. We have this new experimental. But to you, this is this is 10 years in the making by now, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's correct. Correct. Is it hard for you to feel like it's exciting and new when you've known about it all this well, time? a little bit as it's going through those trials all the years and you're trying to find something that something new and stands out from the crowd a little bit yeah and uh, that's what uh, sabro does that's what 472 does but uh there's a little misconception out there that as the market likes something you can just snap your fingers and make a new one come out and it's actually something that's very long in the process to get to the end result sure so it actually surprises me that you you, you all are even able to do this uh, steve and i talked about this a little yesterday that the kind of forward thinking that it takes to get where we are today where you know two uh, two pounds per barrel of hops is a common thing in the beer industry that that's right. not always been the case right um, finding these you know what might be the new next dank hop or whatever it might be uh, I don't know how you guys figure this stuff out yeah it, it, it's tough because you want it to be good uh, at the grower end so it has to be agronomically friendly so mm-hmm. whether that's disease or pest pressure that it's resistance to it has to have a decent yield so the grower can uh, make a margin on it sure and but then you're trying to look out ahead of what the customer might want six seven eight not ten years down the road and that's always because you we all know that that market just changes and moves at all times. So. It's like predicting that the Dodgers would win the World Series. No one I would know. ever imagine that would happen. Thank God this year is here. It's going to happen this year. I feel <laughs> it. I feel it in my bones. So this but is you it. do have so. to kind of have your finger on the pulse of these things. A little bit, yeah. Uh, another thing that surprised me, uh, you, you know, you talk about the agronomy of hops. We, we interviewed uh, Jason Peralt mm-hmm. uh, a few episodes ago. And something I had never thought about was even the exact moment that hops are harvested, which has to be, they, it can't all be the same exact moment exactly. across every variety that you do or you'd be screwed. Exactly. You don't have enough equipment, you don't have enough people. So even that is something that you have to take into account with a hop the day that it might be harvested. Exactly. So as you're going through the breeding program and trying to find that one, if you keep finding varieties that fall in the same harvest window, it's really not acceptable to the grower because if you got something that get picks the same time as Citra Mosaic yeah. and in that window, so you're trying to find something that maybe comes off earlier like a Simcoe sure. or something later like a Pato is a, a alpha variety that comes off late in the harvest. So you're always trying to fit and give a grower options to spread out his harvest so he can get more hops through the facilities you're using. Sure. Yeah. Are you guys ever surprised by, by a hop that a, that a brewer comes out and, and they go, oh no, this is the one that we like. And maybe you thought, well, this one's going to go by the wayside. I get that every year when selection comes in. I mean, we put out samples in front of every brewer and uh, and you put 10 brewers out to do it. You know, Two of them will like this one, three of them will like that one. It's amazing to me yeah. who grades 
grades them one way and who grades them another way. Sure. And uh, it's always different from what I prefer usually. So We have two rules, basically, with hop selection. Number one, the brewer is always right. Okay. And number two, when the brewer's wrong, see rule one. That's <laughs> so yeah. They drive it. They really do. The, sure. what, what the brewers want is what we're geared up to give them. Well, Stephen, you were mentioning on our previous episode that those notes, when they come in and, and do, they're doing the sensory test, are, are something that you have to give back to the growers yes. so you could figure yeah, out Yeah, we what... get feedback on all the different lots that we deliver into Yakima Chief, okay. and we get that feedback from every brewer that went through selection, uh, okay. from the ones that loved it to the ones that didn't care for it at all. Okay. And that's in, a lot of times in the same lot that you delivered. Sure. So uh, it's all personal preference and what they're looking for. And we have a new app uh, that came out last year where the, the brewers are writing their notes down, and there's immediately feedback to the growers while they're still out picking hops. Wow. Right. I, I'm going to paraphrase, but I remember one of the notes last year was, uh, smells like a cat pissing on a Christmas tree. I love it. Oh, you know, my so God. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> you don't expect the, the refrain. Yeah, I love yeah. it. That yeah. might have been Simcoe. I'm not sure. But <laughs> yeah. there you go. Did, didn't the cat eat all of his weed before he peed on Something the like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. oh, that's yeah. right. Just amazing. Brewers are also artistic. Yeah. So oh, yeah. A little bit poetic with that. Look, yeah, the, some of the poetry we got was uh, very special. So, uh, <laughs> so we've, we've had to blank out some of the names of, yep. or some of the terms that were used or translate them. This is amazing. So that I'm not going to find it on the packaging. Some of these. Uh, <laughs> new. Yeah. 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 Um, well, uh, if you want to learn more about hops, uh, first of all, you can go to yakimachief.com and Hop and Brew School. Uh, you can buy your tickets right now. The actual Hop and Brew School, I'll be going for the first time. That's happening over Labor Day weekend. Um, it's kind of uh, right in the middle, right before harvest for, for some of the hops. Right. Uh, so that's an exciting time. Uh, it's it's You're welcome to both professional brewers and home brewers uh, this year, which is uh, you guys are combining all the tracks together so you can just kind of choose if you're a mm-hmm. if you're a home brewer looking to go pro or just looking to learn more about hops, you can go. Uh, or if you're a professional brewer as well. So get your tickets to Hop and Brew School. And then also, you guys have a brand new app for us consumers, Nick. Yeah, that um, it was, our team's been working really hard on it, and uh, we, uh, we we actually downloaded it, installed it, and checked it out yesterday for the first time. Yeah. Um, it went live, and it's got all of our varieties in there, as well as a lot of searchable fields, so you can mix and match your hops to create what you want. And we can go, you can go down into the sort of flavor descriptors that we've, we've, we've described these things as, using a lot of the brewer feedback over the years. Yeah. Or uh, you can go full chem geek on it and uh, get the full oil breakdown and try to assemble your, the blend based on, on the technical data that we provide. So we're being totally transparent about it, and it's it's pretty dang fun. And you can uh, you can also buy hops either. We have a whole list of uh, home brew shops, so you can put in your zip code or whatever and find a local home brew shop that supplies our hops. Or if you want, you can buy directly from us. We're, we want to celebrate and support the, the home brew shops out there that are doing a great job sure. on behalf of their customers. But if you live in an area that's not nearby, you can order and, and get delivered to your doorstep. Right on Yakima Chief. You go search that in the App Store. It is a beautiful app. And I met one of your developers of the app yesterday, mm-hmm. Joe. John. John. Okay. Yep. And John actually said, if you'd like to give feedback on the app, please do. Let us know. Uh, so you can send that over to Yakima Chief. Of course, you can send your questions right here to the show, which is uh, hop and brew school at thebrewingnetwork.com. But uh, John said, yeah, please do send your feedback. It's always a work in progress, and they want to make things better as they go. So if you've got the feedback, do that. Well, why don't we do this? We're going to take a very quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about your fresh hop program that's happening at Yakima Chief, sure. uh, which is interesting to me. Over the years, uh, I've had some, some fresh hop beers that, that blew my mind, and I've had some fresh hop beers that tasted like I was mowing the lawn. Yep. I'm sure you guys are uh, familiar with these characteristics. Yep. So we'll talk about that and more when we come back on Hop and Brew School. 
Welcome back to the Hop and Brew School podcast. We are live from HomebrewCon in Providence, Rhode Island, and I am joined by Rick, Mike, Steve, and of course, my wonderful co-host, Nick. Hey, everybody. Uh, and today we are talking a little bit about fresh hops, and you guys have a fresh hop program at Yakima Chief. And I mentioned before the break, um, you know, this this to me over the years has been something that it evolves with, with brewers. I think that they've learned new techniques and new ways to use fresh hops, but why don't we start simply? What do we mean by fresh hops, and what is this program that you have? So fresh hops is hops right out of the hop field, okay. and uh, it's a little bit of a logistical challenge for us, but quite frankly, fresh hop beer is my favorite style of beer. I mean, you get the essence of that hop right out of the field, and that is the optimum time to really pick them. It has the right alpha content, the right oil content, and we've got brewers who are really good at capturing that essence mm-hmm. in the beer. Uh, it takes a little bit of... Uh, an effort because we have our growers all growing these different varieties and they're maturing at different times depending on what part of the valley we're in and then we've got to get them in and get them packed and get them shipped out and our goal is to get them out to the brewer within 48 hours wow of, of, picking. Uh, yeah. of picking this yeah. sounds impossible it's it's uh, it's challenging, but okay. not impossible. <laughs> yeah. And uh, why aren't fresh hop? Why is this not just the way that we use hops? Why do we dry them, kiln them, these other ways that that are that are normal? Yeah, if if uh, because we need to make beer twenty uh, every month of the year. So you couldn't so possibly we couldn't possibly go deteriorate in quality real yeah. quickly. So the, the fresh hops are still full moisture before you dry it down. So that's a really short self, shelf life. And yeah, so. they're they're about seventy five percent water. Okay. Uh, when they're picked as fresh hops, and typically our growers like, like Rick will dry them down to about eight to ten percent uh, before we get them, which helps to preserve the quality and give us a little chance to get those in the pellet over maybe a three-month period. I understand. Um, okay, but but this happens so quickly; it feels like you're you're just working 24/7 in order to get the fresh hops out. Absolutely. Uh, most farms are running uh, almost 24 hours a day anyway, okay. and so, like Steve was saying, logistically, it's a little bit of a nightmare because you're changing variety. A lot of times you're not in a variety for more than three, four days at the most anyway. So trying to coordinate getting those fresh hops uh, picked as well into the warehouse so they can get them shipped out. It's, uh, it's pretty uh, intense time for everybody. We, and Nick, on the brewer side, I mean, it's pretty intense too. It's like you're you're running a Formula Formula One uh, uh, team to get the hops in and get them into the, the brew kettle and all of that too as well, right? From yeah, the so side. You, you, you get the word that we're going to be picking XYZ variety at this time, you got to build your brew schedule around that. And uh, we can't really change our picking schedules because it's so intense. So you got to be ready to receive them. And if you've got a, a hiccup in, in, in the brewing schedule, that's that has direct implications for that. So you may not be able to get the variety that you wanted, but you're going to have to, if you do want to have a fresh hot beer, you're going to have to switch it around a little bit. Sure. Um, the other thing is that because they are 75% moisture, um, they the, the yields on fresh hot beers are, are traditionally far lower, um, okay. about 75% lower. Than a regular beer. I see a, a lot of vegetative, a lot of vegetative right. matter, and all that, the water, and that's that, and so a lot of the water soluble compounds that are in the hops um, are what contribute to that grassy, melony character. So okay. it can be great, and it can be real fruity and bright, but if uh, you let it sit for too long at too hot of a temperature, um, you will end up with gardening beer in not the best kind of way. Lawnmower beer, Lawnmower fresh, beer. fresh cut yeah. grass up your nose for yep. your, yep. <laughs> yeah. cis, cis rehexanol for days. Yeah. Um, so as you're saying. Not 
not just getting it out of the field into the brewer in time, but if a brewer sits on it, it'll go bad. Yeah. Mold, uh, yeah. mildew, mold, mildew. They start to oxidize. They'll uh, they'll start to taste uh, like the, you, you get a lot more breakdown of, of some of the thiol compounds into the unfavorable mercaptans. So okay. that's one of the things we've talked about in terms of off flavors. One of the most common things I see is um, excessive mercaptan character in beer, and that's only exacerbated by uh, letting the hops sit for long. So okay. while 48 hours is the target, um, the best results are within 12 to 24 hours of picking. Wow. Um, and, you know, we've tried a bunch of different things. We're, we're always working on improving it to make sure that we can get those hops to people um, as soon as possible. But again, it's a challenge. Um, but the uh, the beers that come out are profoundly different from, uh, from you know, regularly dry hopped beers. Sure. Um, are there particular varieties that lend themselves better to a, a fresh hop beer than others? What do you think, Rick? Uh, hard to say. I don't really have the experience on that side of it. That'd probably be more a question for them. But just from the growing side of it and how we pick them, I would say yes. And which one's the best? I'd probably defer to uh, Nick or Steve on those guys. Well, it's got to have some Simcoe in it. Well, okay. Any good fresh hop beer. It's got to have. Some it's Simcoe. interesting because Simcoe has a fairly, lo- relatively long picking window. Right. Yeah. And uh, so it's and it's fairly early in the harvest. Mm-hmm. So brewers who are trying to target a beer being ready the first part of October which is kind of the traditional time for fresh hop ales. Yeah. Uh, typically, they will choose Simcoe as least one of the hops that okay. go into a fresh hop. It's interesting to hear you talk about Simcoe because I hear brewers talk about it all the time, and it's obviously a brewer favorite. It sounds like a grower favorite, too, that, it, that it's maybe a little friendlier to you as well. Um, I, I think it is a grower favorite in terms of picking window, having yeah. an early variety. Okay. Uh, it doesn't yeah. yield quite as much as some of the other varieties, yeah. but uh, it's, it's still a, a great hop. Uh, back in my former life as a hop grower, I loved growing Simcoe because walking through that cooling room was like walking through a pine forest. Wow. It was just so distinctively different yeah. than other varieties. Yeah, that type of harvest, when you're in it, like you said, you go into a kiln when you're just starting to dry it and you have a whole bed of Simcoe laid out there, uh, that's probably about the, one of the best smells you ever see or I come across imagine. right there. So uh, that one's pretty intense. Like Steve said, uh, growers like it because it's a front-end harvest, so that's something you can get started on. Okay. And it's pretty forgiving because it has a fairly large harvest window as compared to some other varieties. Okay. So uh, it's a favorite for the brewers, also a favorite for one of the growers, too. Simcoe's so. an interesting one, too, where it, 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 it really ramped up in demand uh, a few years ago, and then it seemed like it was plateauing a little bit. Yeah. And then it, now this year, for whatever reason, it's starting to accelerate again. Do you so think for us, for us as Yakima Chief, uh, this year we're, we're going to grow a little bit more Citra than, than Simcoe. We're going to be up in that six to six and a half million pounds of uh, citra production and and, and Simcoe is going to be right behind that. So last year and years before Simcoe was our our single largest produced hop. Uh, citra's overtaken it, but uh, Simcoe's like it's got a little second leg up right now. So it's pretty interesting. There. Yeah. Do you think that's because of the life life cycle of the hop and how how they can be different from year to year? Maybe maybe last year's crop was so good that this year they're just hyped up again. I, I think there's some of it. I mean, Nick Nick and you have talked a bit about this on some of your previous podcasts. I'll certainly year by year there is a slight different aroma that comes off and something that smells really good one year translates into a few extra sales year before but I think it it's really just that sort of like continue overall uh, increase
increase in demand for the entire IPA category. Sure. And you know, when we look at our our production and our sales, you know, Simcoe, Citrum, Mosaic, Amarillo, Laurel, uh, you know, Azaka, Idaho Seven. These, you know, they're the ones that are really kind of behind that entire IPA category. And, uh, Those the and cool you, kids. you look around, and, and and we've got here at home BrewCon. You know, we're asking people what they want to pick up, and we're trying to limit samples because we've got so many people in line. But yeah. you know, that's what people are picking up, and you know, they just love it. It's got that great aroma, and everybody's coming. You can see when people are walking by our sensory table here, they you know they kind of like they're entering the happy space. Yeah. You yeah. know, I was like, oh yeah, you know, this, feel, this smells good. Just, so, to, just oh, to smell it. Yeah. I remember when Amarillo was new. That's how that's how long I've been doing this, Nick. I remember yeah, I, the first time in my studio that an Amarillo beer came through, and it just kind of blew my mind. Yeah. Yep. It was a hop. I feel like I had just never smelled. Yep. Nothing yep. quite like that before. Yep. Right. And it's still popular today. Still very Absolutely. popular. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And we grow quite a bit. It's uh, it's uh, from our friends from VGF, uh, the ones that kind of manage a lot of that. But we're, as Yakima Chief, the the single largest uh, supplier producer of production of of that hop. And mm-hmm. you know, we all think back to the picking windows we've all talked about. We keep a really tight picking window for our Amarillo. Okay. So it's got to go through that same Green Chief program you were talking about with Steve uh, the other day. So yeah. anything that's coming through our system that has to go through that entire rigorous process, regardless of what the ownership is behind those particular varieties. Sure. Rick is one of our Amarillo growers. Ah, yeah, good yeah one. we do. One of, the like one of my favorite ones when we're picking. Is it? Uh, absolutely. I love the smell that comes off of Amarillo. Well, yeah. that's something I was going to ask you just across all the varieties. As a farmer, as a grower, you know, is there year by year, is there something where you go, oh man, our, our, our Amarillo is just on it this right. year. Like you can tell the difference from year to year. Right. You can. Uh, you know, like we said, each year it's a little different uh, weather-wise, so and it, that affects uh, the crop when you pick it. And each okay. year, you'll, you'll as you start to pick and start to dry and go through the process, you'll go upstairs expecting a certain aroma to come out, and sometimes it's a little different. And uh, and sometimes that's because you pick it uh, maybe on the front side of your harvest schedule versus later. Okay. Uh, and you just have these variations that happen from year to year as well. Can you so. kind of predict that as the year goes by and you're watching the climate and, and maybe relating to how it used to be? You can go, okay, the brewers this year are going to love this one, even before you harvest. Uh, I have a hard time doing that before we harvest, but once, once, as soon as you get into the first day of the variety, you can tell pretty much right away what you got. Okay. And uh, there's some varieties, like we said, that they're pretty forgiving on their harvest windows. There's other citrus is a good example where you have to be very, pretty precise on it. Okay. Uh, it's really nice, uh, fruitful one if you hit right on it. Sometimes if you get a little late to it, it'll get a little onion garlic to it, and I it see. happens quickly. Yeah. Are you so, competitive at all with the other growers in absolutely. the sense that you're like, oh, yeah, my Amarillo is going to kill your Amarillo yeah, absolutely. this year? You guys and, are? Uh, oh, absolutely. I can see I you mean, sitting around the bar right now kind of talking about yeah. this. Everybody wants to, you know, you get your selection notes, which is a great thing about that uh, app and everything. We're getting this almost real-time feedback within 24 hours. And uh, and you want, I mean, everybody wants their ego stroked a little of course, bit. Of I mean, course. you, you want to know you're doing well. You don't want to be the That's last guy. It's a lot of hard work, too. Absolutely. So. I want to know that all the sweat and everything, you know, I want somebody to enjoy the product that we produced. Yeah, uh, you yeah. can't help that. That's so, fun. Uh, it is. And so if you see a brewer that, uh, that you know, gave you really positive feedback, you love that. And if you see one that gave you some negative feedback, sure. you, know, you, you don't let him on the farm, right? Well, <laughs> you know, those yeah. are the, actually the ones I really want to read because I, I want to read that. Okay, sure. what, what did I miss? You know, yeah, I, I want to see funny. what he had to say, and I want to I want to pick that one apart a little bit. Do you so. pay attention even further out to if they've won, like, a Great American Beer Festival? A little bit. You try to follow like, it a little bit. You know, you wish you could follow your lot down to the final product. It's like following your year. baseball team, kind bit. of. You got to so, see how they yeah, did that pride. Year. It's my kid. I have a little pride. You know, Absolutely. I want to 
see that. So. This is fun for me. I've never actually thought about that part of it. I knew that, you know, obviously what you do is so important to the beer industry. But, I, you know, we always think about the brewer. But you guys are making one of the most important compounds in the beer. And, of course, you'd want to know how that did. You know, and this is probably one of the greatest things that Yakima Chief Hops has done over the years is brought that transparency all the way through to the end user. Because when my dad and his dad before him was doing this, you dealt strictly with the merchants. Okay. And once you delivered it to the warehouse, you, you had no idea what happened after sure. that. So we've kind of opened up the books and we encourage them to the brewers to give us feedback. We want to follow our product, the growers, all the way through. And it's yeah. been one of the greatest things that's uh, been a part of Yakima Chief Hops is having that transparency. And the, and the brewers, too, get that transparency, yep. right? So yep. now you can have full traceability back to the farm. So, you know, you can, you can look up your lot. You can say, oh, that came from Rick's farm and that was field 22 or whatever it was. And mm -hmm. it's really great for building out a whole traceability sustainability uh, program as well for brewers. So and Steve, pretty exciting. You, you kind of touched on this uh, in our in our previous episode where, you know, there was a time, as you're saying, this, this didn't really happen. And now you guys can hardly imagine a time where the brewer is not in touch with a grower. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it, it really opens, opens up the door for both Yakima Chief on our part of the supply chain and, and Rick at the grower end to kind of measure uh, how we're doing and, and commit to a process of continuous improvement mm -hmm. so that our hops are always uh, attempting to achieve uh, very high quality in the beer as okay. well. Yeah. And, and so it's a nice system. It builds upon itself. Rick and these guys are competitive. They all want to be the best, and yeah. that, that kind of lends to that whole concept of continuous improvement as well. Okay. So aside from the metrics and the way this has changed so that you can, you can predict better, you can get more feedback, has the technology around growing and harvesting hops changed very much? Uh, absolutely. We... Uh Mostly on the processing end. I mean, what's great as well is all, all be vertically aligned all the way through the breeding program and having that connection. Sure. Uh, Yakima Chief of the Growers as well as the distribution network. But uh, actually on the farm, we put a lot more effort into the processing than what used to happen generations ago. Okay. Uh, everything from the temperatures that you dry at, the kiln depths that you use, trying to maximize it because that'll change from variety to variety. Okay. And trying to maximize and lock in and using new technologies to measure more moisture, which is your primary uh, concern when you're drying to hit that moisture, moisture range. range. Uh, to, to get it low fast? Is that what the problem is? Right. Okay. Uh, using new technology as far as fans in the drying process to ex uh, accelerate the air through the beds that you lay so that you can cut the drying time down okay. as much as you can. Uh, using technology as measuring moisture so you can uh, shut the kiln off at the appropriate time. I see. And be more consistent with it. And uh, You all invest a lot in this part of the a process. A lot. There's been a lot of reinvestment in the farms over the last several That's years. That's a big deal, right? Uh, you know, the last several years uh, with the explosion in craft beer and, and, and IPAs, the, we're finally at what we think are fair prices for the hops, but the, the, the growers are returning that back into their investments and trying to really become a virtuous cycle of better quality through more investments on the farms. And they're not cheap. They're really expensive. And so yeah. if you come out to the Yakima Valley, and again, as you said, come out for Hop and Brew School, um, but uh, you can see how much the growers have reinvested back into delivering a really good quality product. And that's part of that, that sustainable cycle for us. So. Sure. And to help, uh, I, I'm guessing, with, with some sort of stability, too. I mean, this being sure. an agricultural product, stability with any agricultural product is, right. is a difficult thing. So it sounds to me like you're, you're, you're investing to make the product better, but maybe so that over time uh, prices can be stable, yield can be stable, quality. Uh, these are things you have to invest in. Absolutely. Uh, right now, I think in the Valley, uh, you know, there's a 
another generation of uh, young growers coming back to the farm. Okay. Uh, when you talk about hop growing, it's very generational. Every farm there goes back three, four, five, six generations. Uh, there's not a lot of new players in, sure. in the system. Uh, and so you really count on the next generation coming back to keep the farm going to the next uh, next step. And my son, he just graduated college a year ago. He's come back. So you start planning to try and uh, plan ahead for another generation and reinvestment in the farm is a big sure. part of that. So this is not an annoying thing when your kid gets out of school and has a bunch of shit to teach you and you're like, listen, I already know some of this stuff, buddy. It's amazing. I know a lot of things. He's teaching me a lot of things and it's, it's That's funny fun. how that goes. You know, I'm, I'm not as uh, up on all this new technology. He's pushing me in a direction that uh, I wasn't ready to go a couple years ago, but coming out of college, he came home with a lot of ideas and he's got me on a couple of them and we're going there. That's so, great. Yeah. And how many generations is your family? Well, our farm's there? four generations four. right now. So we're actually one of the younger ones. I think Carpenter family's probably uh, how many we, now? We get six, uh, the six generations. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it helps Rick that your son and Steve, your son both went to the Harvard of the West at uh, Washington State, right? So <laughs> That's right. We, is that right? And they were actually together a couple of weekends ago yeah, doing some, some homebrew. Yeah, they so, were doing homebrew. Oh, nice. Oh, That's yeah. the fun thing is, you know, when I was a young guy growing hops, you never thought about brewing beer. You just thought about growing hops. This younger generation wants to know as much as possible about how our product is used in, in, in the beer. Yeah. And so they're setting up these homebrew setups. Yeah. And they're brewing beer. So hopefully the 4th of July, Rick and I will have an opportunity. I know. There we go. Taste, I'm looking forward to that. He's, he's, what been they've come up to. he's got one coming yeah. up, so I'm looking forward to it. Nick, what's the, I had them on my other show on the session. What's the? There's a brewery up there that... Bailbreaker. Bailbreaker, thank you. Yeah, that's the that's uh, the Smiths family. Uh, yeah, you know, they invested in that. In that. What's the brewer's name? Uh, Kevin? Uh, yeah, so we had Kevin on the show. And I was kind of making fun of Kevin. Not making fun of him, but I kind of said, Kevin, you know, he came to his family with this idea, why don't we do a brewery? And they had been make, you know, growing hops for years. Mm -hmm. And I just said, man, Kevin, you, you kind of have some balls, man. I, like, you're, you're making a product that has to showcase what the farm does. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking his dad said to him, like, all right, Kev, I'm going to let you do this, but you cannot fuck this up. Yeah, right. You're, like, representing the family farm. <laughs> Knowing Mike, he probably did. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like he did. Yeah, exactly. Are you Actually, what Mike told the kids was, you guys are crazy. Yeah, uh, right. You know, building a brewery right in the middle of hop country. I mean, uh, yeah. don't do this. And no. They proved that he was wrong. And that Mike, took, I think, will so be they the did. first one. Yeah. They, they do make great beer. And, of they course, do. I was yeah. I was kind of ribbing them about it. But I was being serious. I don't know that I would have done that either. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's a beautiful facility. It is truly right in the middle of the hop fields. And wow. so you come to Yakima and especially come out during the growing season harvest. It's a pretty special place. I bet. I I bet. We're having our, is it our uh, Hop and Brew School kickoff party at Failbreak, yeah. aren't we? Yep. Oh, we're great. Do a bunch of them so out that'll there, be yeah. really fun. I'm yeah. excited to go see it because I got to hear all about it. But mm -hmm. again, I just was thinking, wow, and what a change. You know, after generations of growing, why don't we make the product that we've been growing all yeah, along? Exactly. Yeah. It was yeah. uh, really fun because I, I actually was there the first day for the first brew through that uh, when they first started. And I was, I got to go to their fifth year anniversary party a couple of years ago, or I guess it was last year, wasn't last it? Last year. Yeah. And it was to the day, almost to the hour where they had fired up their first batch wow. through the system. Wow. Um, that was pretty, that was, it, it's pretty actually astonishing to see their growth. It's pretty sure. huge. You talk about family farms and family hop farms, right? One of their new uh, year rounds and one of their best beers is called Leota May, which is named after their grandmother. So you talk about the, the, the connection within the family and whatnot. And it's a great beer. And using uh, Cryo Equinot, it's, it's yep. really good. You have to try it when you get up there. 
I think that is one of the beers that he sent us, and I found that story fascinating, yeah. too. So this is something that, that in across most industries, we don't really see this kind of family legacy like you Correct. all see, you know, yeah. this generational career right. that you all have. So it's really impressive. Yeah. And it's very... Uh, uh, near and dear to all of us because there used to be uh, probably over 200 families in the Yakima Valley that were growing hops and we're down to probably 40 or 45 Wow! just because of all the uh, down cycles in the hop industry over the years. Uh, so we all take a lot of pride in uh, continuing sure. and pushing on. Uh, and so Yakima Chief is always a, a, a direct reflection of all the uh, grower owners uh, that, are to, that are a part of it. Okay. So, you know, Rick, you talk about the hop families being multi-generational. Um, I I think it's important to note that the hop industry was so tough about a generation ago. We lost a generation. Right. Oh. We we just because people moved were, on to another crop. They were oh, coming absolutely. up and they said, "I don't want to. I want to do what mom and dad are doing. I want to go to town and get a real job and get yeah, paid." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and now uh, thanks a lot to the craft segment and some of the varieties we've come up with, uh, they're able to come back to the farm like Eric and my son Tyler and and uh, contribute and and really add value to the entire supply chain. I'm glad that you bring this up because it does seem almost too good to be true that you guys have been able to keep the family coming back to the farm to do this. I would think that that some generations would want to move on. Mm -hmm. And I think your point is well taken when, okay, well, if beer is cool and it's something fun and it's innovative and it's exciting, well, then we're going to stay around the farm. But if there, there's years you know, before where it just the cool kids weren't doing it, maybe I want to move on, Dad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? And you're kind of saying you, you almost lost a whole generation of, of farmers there. Yeah, and yeah. we did. There was a number of farms that went away just because there was no family wow. uh, to step in and take it over. That's really interesting, too. Yeah. Uh, how many? How much acreage of hops is there in the Yakima Valley? Do you all know? Just in the Yakima. Well, go ahead. You know the numbers. Uh, well, there's, uh, there's about 55,000 acres in total in the United States, the United and States, then 95% okay. uh, plus are the three P&W states, so Idaho, Oregon, and Washington. Okay. And then the Yakima Valley is around 73 to 75% of that, so wow. what is that, in the, in the mid-30,000s? Is, uh, in that range. Okay. Uh, Oregon's been fairly steady for a while. Uh, you know, urbanization coming up from Salem and down through Portland's taken away some from the Willamette Valley. And then there's also been growth in the state of Idaho uh, as, as that's picked up. Okay. So it, it's being added. There's, there's still yeah. some room for growth. And I think this is back to kind of that issue of sustainability as you talk about the investments. You know, recently there's been, you know, in, in some of the, the beer blogs and whatnot, people are complaining about, I can't get Galaxy anymore and I built a beer brand around that. Yeah. You know, and Galaxy's a great hop, but you're kind of limited in how much Galaxy you can grow in Australia. It's the only place that's really growing. Oh, that, I right? see. Okay. And so part of what we're trying to do with our growers and Citra and Simcoe Mosaic are good examples. They've increased in popularity, but we've been able to um, get in front of that and through our connection with the brewers, understand that there's growth and demand so we can still try to meet that as best as we can. So like we added a thousand acres of Citra this year. Wow. To try to keep up with the demand and that's hard to do if you're not, you know, in that area of sort of, uh, you know, the Yakima Valley and Idaho, to be able to to be able to have that in place and have growers that that are willing to make that commitment and investment, and that's kind of back to that sustainability part of the business. Sure. Really, on behalf of the brewers that are building their brands and their beers around uh, certain varieties and, and aroma aroma profiles. Have you had any uh, based on that? And you're trying to add acreage sometimes. Do you have farmers that have been growing something completely different that say, you know what, I want to start growing? 
requiring hops with you guys too. Does that happen? Well, yeah, right now we've we've had that. You know, uh, again, it's been a fortunate period where the overall prices of the the primary hops that we sell have been returning a fair fair value. Okay. And as an organization, we have a model that's really designed to return as much as we can back to the growers. Mm-hmm. So we we have a we have a bit of an internal margin to cover all of our costs, but it's really designed for the the family farms. Okay. And so we end up paying a little bit more than sometimes they can receive through other channels. Uh, so we've got people knocking on the door, and through uh, a pretty broad sales network, yeah. uh, we're able to say, for example, we see citric gaining in popularity. Cascade, for example, is flat to down a little bit, so we can rotate out of some, say, Cascade acres and into Citra, and still, from a farmer perspective, even though it's expensive to, to switch from one variety to another, okay. you know, get a good return by saying, okay, this is going to give you a, a, a higher value add for your farm. Sure. So Nick had mentioned Cascade to me uh, in a previous show or, or off air that it's something that was being replaced by some other hops. And I have to admit, having done this for a little while, that surprises me. I mean, those Cascade is just like the perennial, amazing. It's a like, great hop. It's icon. a great hop. Yeah. It's an the icon. original. And, yeah. and of course, it's not going away. That's not what I mean. But it's it's still interesting for me to hear that something that amazing it, it might be going down a little bit as others come up, yeah, like and, Citra, you say. And again, it's really it, it ultimately gets driven by what the beer consumers drinking right sure. so for everybody and so uh, you know it's really an interesting dynamic right now where people are th- truly enjoying a, a much broader palette of uh, palette of aroma profiles and flavors and taste yeah. and that gets back to the brewer and then that gets back to us as the growers so sure we're that's, responding ultimately to what uh, beer drinkers are drinking of course and that's one of those things that we were really trying to, to capture and pay attention to um, and specifically uh, I think you mentioned the sort of traceability angle of, of of our program. Um, that's something that I've spoken about from a brewer's perspective as well, that we really want to make sure that brewers are paying attention and you're, you're paying attention to the sort of vertical integration of the entire system so we can give the right feedback to yeah. brewers. Yeah. And so if you look at, you know, use our lot codes, pay attention to them and give us feedback on those. We've got a lot, lot lookup tools. We're trying to make it easy for you to do this, but make sure that you've got full traceability in your facility and your process. Yeah. And I've, I've talked about this ad nauseum on, on how to manage that. Um, and it's, it's really important that you take these codes and they are propagated throughout your system so that the, the final beer, you know, your final pack lot code, whatever system you use, trying to obfuscate the date or not, um, make sure that that carries through and inherits the codes for every step of the way. Uh, every okay. step of the way. So it can get better. So it can get better. Mm-hmm. And so you can, so we can taste it going, oh my God, how did you get this characteristic out of, you know, whatever hop it was? I you, see. Uh, you, uh, you know, you used some Sauvé's Amarillo's, which I know from experience are spectacular. Uh, last year, I think yours, y'all's was the, my favorite lot. Um, okay. So I went in there on, on the farm and just, they just finished uh, drying one of the relatively early in, in the Amarillo window. Um, and it blew me away. Yeah. And I've since done some digging and trying to find where that lot ended up and have noticed that I tend to prefer certain batches of beer that had your Amarillo in it. Nice. Um, and it's really, uh, but that, I was only able to do that because the information that was available um, from the breweries. That makes sense. Um, okay. But it's, it's, it's something that, that I'd like to sort of 
have people understand and, and learn and participate in because then you're going to be able to ask, hey, where you know where this where this citrus harvest come from, where this cascade sure. come from, and start to understand you know how we, we treat the hops and how we grow them and, and how these people that have been doing this for generations yeah. have contributed to the character of the beer that you're drinking. Absolutely. Well, I'm having so much fun learning about hops. I got a little far away from our green program, so I just want to come back a little mm. bit to go. So if I'm a pro brewer and I want to make some fresh hops, uh, some fresh hop beer, uh, how do I get involved in that? I mean, uh, it sounds like uh, obviously some some pretty advanced planning to yep. get my hops in 24 we, hours. We do. Typically, yeah. we'll take orders during craft brew conference. Okay. That helps with our planning so okay. that we can at least look at the demand by variety. And I think we open that up through maybe the 1st of August, something We're like that. getting ready to shut her down pretty soon, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, um, I don't think it's quite that far. I think it's the last day or last week of July is when yeah. we yeah. shut it down just because yep. that gives us enough time to, to make sure that we're going to be able to meet that those requirements. Okay. At that point, it's late enough in the season that we'll see, okay, yeah, they're, they're grown like what we expected them to. Sure. Um, and is uh, is this something that homebrewers can participate in as well? Do, do, do homebrewers have access to fresh hops at all? Yeah, this um, year we're going to be doing a little bit of that, especially through Hop and Brew School, right, Alex? Okay. Alex is saying, corporate Alex is here. <laughs> <laughs> homebrew clubs. So so if we kind of do a bulk buy, then homebrew clubs can get in on it a little bit. Okay. Uh, so, again, some advanced planning to, to get involved in that. Uh, come to Hop and Brew School, and then we can You know what the other thing is there. really a really great place to do that as well, Justin, is there's a, there are a, num- a lot of places that are now starting to grow their own hops around the country. Sure. You know, and that's really an ideal way to use local hops. Is yeah. to do that during a fresh hop, and you're going to get first. all of that without having to do all of the processing and everything else that goes on with a large scale. So, you grow your if own. you are in, in Michigan or, <laughs> or New York or, or Connecticut or Rhode Island, wherever you are, yeah, do that and, and try to do a fresh hop around that. Find if there's a local farm or whoever's doing some fresh hops. That's pretty interesting, and exciting. You don't have to worry about trying to transport all the way from Yakima to Rhode Which Island is, or wherever you are. So. Again, just sounds nearly impossible. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, in my experience over the years, most home brewers are doing it with their own backyard hops. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then talk about fresh, you, you know, just cut it and throw it in the kettle. It's right yeah, there. Absolutely. Right. No, it's cool. So that's very nice. Fresh hand-picked hops. There uh, you go. Pretty fantastic. Uh, just, I want to actually uh, mention that we are, uh, we do have a sign-up for a free giveaway to two tickets to Hop and Brew School. Oh, um, excellent. So if, you, if anybody's interested, come on and sign up. So if you're, if you're standing around, see Alex right here in front of me. He can help you get signed up to uh, get a couple tickets to uh, Hop and Brew School. <laughs> All right. Now I have to ask for our listeners out there too, both professional and homebrew. Uh, Rick, are there any hops coming up the pipeline you guys have been working on for some years? Maybe I'm not going to see them in the next year or two, but you're excited for when they're coming out? We are. Uh, there's always new ones coming down the pipeline. Uh, we just, uh, from a high alpha variety, we are uh, pushing Pato out there right now. Uh, Sabro is one of the newest ones that's, that's come out as Nick's well. Nick's been mentioning that. I think so I had a Sabro beer yesterday. Yeah, the sour beer I gave uh, you. Yeah. Sour, sour. Getting some nice positive feedback on mm-hmm. that variety. It's pretty unique, different, which is kind of uh, what you look for. You're looking for something that kind of separates from the crowd a little bit. Sure. And uh, we've had the sensory panel over here, and I've been over there a lot the last couple days. Uh, HBC 472 uh, is getting a lot of positive feedback. Uh, it's kind of a daughter of Sabro. Sister of Sabro. Sister, sister, sister okay, of Sabro. Sure. And that's, that's the, uh, that bourbon barrel age character providing one. Oh, yeah. We have that in. Snickerdoodles. That was a right. very unique hop. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Is this so. another area that you guys are competitive to? Like, which farmer might come out with the one with the next uh, Simcoe? <laughs> 
I, that comes through the breeding program. That's above my pay grade on I that see, one. So I see. Uh, when they get to that point, uh, I grow it. But uh, okay, yeah. Uh, but we have that in that in the different beers there. We also have Clusterfug at the new blend that we got going there. Sure. One of the beers as well. So uh, we're pretty excited about that. Okay. So, yeah. right. uh, Six ninety two, which is another sister of Sabros, another interesting one. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's uh, uh, that's really interesting. I think yep. Vinny made a couple of beers with uh, Apical Dominance was uh, was one of the ones. That, I had that beer. Uh, that's six ninety two, and that's a. Is that as hazy as the or just a clear IPA that he did? I'm trying to remember. I don't think we, it's as hazy. It's a because we stumped Beardy with one of those beers, and I thought it was maybe that one. We made him just you know blind taste and see if he could figure out which one was hazy and which one was clear. And I thought that was in the panel. Uh, anyhow, that's a nice beer. That's, yeah, that's, that's great. Actually, that's a daughter of Sabro. Well, that is a daughter. Six ninety two. Yeah, yeah. These, well, that's Rhonda. These yeah. Rhonda. <laughs> Rhonda. <laughs> daughter of Ron Mexico. I love uh, these new hop varieties. You know, they, they barely reach puberty, and we're already. Producing new. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is the actual farmer's daughter. It's the (laughs) hot. This is the real. Oh, man. In the morning, you got to milk the cow, though. (laughs) I think Alex is looking at this going, oh, my God, how am I going to cut this? It's fine. He always sends me back what I have to edit anyway. You guys say what you want. We'll take care of it later. Uh, 530 is another nice one. 530, 522, 520. Those are all related to uh, Sabro, uh, Ronnie. And then uh, some of the other ones, some of the older ones that we're, uh, we're excited about. And what's really interesting is that from in, in the field, I think there's a couple of varieties that really showcase this, is that when they're fresh and they smell, we smell them in the field, is different to how they express when they're dried, is right. different to how they express in the beer. So we're trying to align all those things and make sure that brewers understand that. So, uh, for example, 685, to me, smells like Hawaiian uh, fruit punch? Is that Hawaiian, Hawaiian punch. Hawaiian yeah. punch. Yeah. And it's amazing. I can't get it to express in the beer. So I'm working on it. Um, another one is uh, is uh, cashmere. On the vine, it's on the vine, it doesn't smell really like anything, but once it's dried, it's grape soda. Okay. Like grape Fanta. It's yeah. crazy. It's becoming really popular. Yeah. Uh, well, and we were talking about that yesterday too, Nick, that, that brewers sometimes are able to pick out uh, characteristics in hops um, that express themselves differently. Like I was mentioning a brewer who really likes his hops on the onion and garlic side. That doesn't mean he likes his beer to be on the onion and garlic side. Sure. It just means that he's able to figure out how it expresses itself in the beer, like right. we're saying. Nick. And that's one of the things that we're, we're working on pretty hard with uh, Tommy, our brewer. He He's been on the show a couple times, and uh, our, you know our labs. We're trying to figure out exactly how to help brewers achieve the results they want. Sure, um, it takes a lot of time and a lot of measurements. So I'll get those answers to y'all when I when I have them. Yeah, but it's going to take a while. Yeah, absolutely. All right, boys. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't get to talk a little baseball with you. Now, hey. the three of you do a, a baseball podcast as well. Uh, Steve and I the do. Two, two of, of them okay. do. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, we do. Uh, we do a weekly called Beer, Baseball, and Binds, and okay. just as it says, we talk a little bit about uh, baseball and what's going on in hops, and then every week. We have a different brewer that comes on. We talk about their brewery, and we try to mix it up so they're at different places around the, the U.S. where they're Excellent. maybe following a particular baseball team, so we kind of spread it around. And uh, so we, we have a lot of fun with it. We're in our second year. Might be a good time to thank our both of our listeners for uh, tuning our in. Our wives are our number one <laughs> listeners. Yeah. They keep hitting like, 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 and yeah. we get up to 100 a week somehow or another. That's so. amazing. Yeah, when they're not doing too much, they can yeah. just keep hitting that like button. Exactly. Well, that's fun. You guys just do that because you love talking about beer. 
beer and baseball. Uh, we get to we get to drink beer in the middle of the afternoon, so yeah. you know get paid for it. So who doesn't love that, right? This, this Frank, makes sense. Frankly, it's the only three things that I know anything about. You know, <laughs> beer, baseball, and hops. So yeah, 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 it's 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 fun to participate. And uh, who are you watching on the Giants right now, Steve? Who do you like? Well, you, you can't help but like Mad Bum. I mean, that yeah. guy uh, Bumgarner. He's not going to be a Giants too much longer. I don't think. I think but, you're right uh, about that. He's as long as he, as long as he doesn't become a Dodger, well, he I might be coming our way too. I don't think twins. that's possible. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I, that had ever happened. Yeah, no, you might be so. right. Yeah, yeah. So, and he yeah. go on. He might go on and do some sort of accident and get hurt his arm before go. pitching for the Dodgers. Yeah, he could right? get traded so, to the Twins. I yeah. could see that happen. Yeah, I, I was so. reading this the other day. You know Jackie Robinson, uh, a hero of mine, and, okay. and somebody who uh, played his entire career for the Brooklyn Dodgers, right. was traded to the Giants. And retired before he showed up. Wow! So that just that oh, shows right. you kind of that that rivalry and how deep it is. It is a deep rivalry. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I gotta say, uh, once again, I'm a Sandoval fan. Uh, you know, he he, he lost favor with the Giants for a little while, but boy, can that guy pinch hit right now? The old kung fu panda. Yeah. yeah. I like watching him pitch on the mound more than anything else. <laughs> he comes in and throws an inning every now and then. I so. was just gonna say, I love it when I see the Giants fans with the signs up, right. let Pablo pitch. That's right. The guy That's can right. play. Every Every position yeah. and looks at let's just let's be honest too. He's kind of a mess. He's not the healthiest yeah. baseball player you've ever seen. Yeah. He's Bartolo <laughs> Colon. <Yeah>. So that's <laughs> a little Bartolo, a little Babe Ruth in there. He yeah. is. Yeah. What an that's athlete, it. right? He can go yeah. eat whatever he wants and go out and play that sport. Yeah. Twenty hot dogs and go play third base. Yeah. 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 Uh, they are a fun team to watch. They're kind of they, they break my heart. Now now Bevo, uh, the only other Brewing Network full time employee over here, her husband's a Dodger fan. So oh, I good to, for him. I, I like him already. There we go. So yeah, I have it. to deal well, with him. But it's 2019. It's that odd year curse. Yeah. You know, the Giants, uh, what, 2010, 2012, 2014 won world championships. How That's many right. of the Dodgers won since 2010? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Here we go. <laughs> The last time I was a Dodger fan, Oral Hershiser was on the Hey, there you go. 1988 Dodgers, which is the last World Series, by the way. But uh, (laughs) so we're overdue. I'll give you that. We are overdue. So you guys are looking all right. Did you tell me you guys hit six home runs last night? Six home runs last night. They were playing at uh, Rocky Stadium. Oh, well, that doesn't count. Yeah, you know, every pop fly gets a shot to go out. So uh, six of them managed. So that's good. Yeah. I don't mind watching the Rockies either. They're okay. They're they're a fun team to watch. They they have a shot at the playoffs, right? I think so. I think they're going to be there. We had CBC in Denver this year, so I was able to get there early enough to go to a, a Rockies game. Nice. Uh, and who were they playing? Well, they're playing the Dodgers. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, Is that something that you guys do uh, in your travels? We always kind of uh, we got we were game? we were at uh, Fenway for two games this yep. week, and you we were? had a great time. Yes. Oh man, it was it was that so was much fun list. for us yeah. uh, first time, and it was just a lot of fun to see. It's a little a, a ballpark with so much history and of tradition. Course. And, of course, it's a little hard to get Rick off the farm this time. Of the year, so uh, that makes kinda, sense. And I flipped that. Hey, we're going to That's Fenway, what it took. and then he says, "Okay." Yeah, Joe's standing over there, and he threw out an email to me, and he says, "Hey, what yeah, do you think about Fenway?" So that's yeah, that's thanks to Joe Catron uh, from uh, Yakima Chief Ranch for coordinating that. That's there it. we go. Yeah, there he's we go. got a new nickname though. Now we're calling him uh-huh. Sailor Kevin. So <laughs> Sailor Kevin, 
said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so, a story. There you yep, go. Sailor That's Kevin was here. It's all over the town of Boston and now Providence. So. <laughs> I love this. Fenway is a good park. So my old man's from, uh, I'm from Connecticut originally. I didn't grow up here. Uh, he did. Uh, Boston fan. Oh, sure. Uh, in fact, my family's kind of split down the middle. Uh, on my Uncle Tony's side, it's all Yankee fans. And on my dad's side, it's all Boston oh fans. But anyway, he took me to Fenway uh, for, for the first time a few years ago when the Craft Brewers Conference was out here. Mm. Um, so not all that long ago. And anyhow, uh, great experience. And we're walking through the stadium. And some random fan comes walking by with my logo on their shirt. Nice. Oh, nice. And recognize me. And this doesn't happen. I'm like beer famous, right? Which is, which is barely. Okay, but to my dad, it blew his mind. It was his proudest moment. He's, he tells the story to this day. Nice. Awesome. My son's walking through Fenway Park and got recognized by somebody. Nice. That is awesome. That was a moment for my dad. But what a fun park to be at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where can people find the, the podcast? On iTunes? Uh, then go to Soundburst, SoundCloud. SoundCloud, okay. Uh, we, you can find it on our website somehow or another, I guess, too, and look up social media or something. And, and what's uh, it called? Uh, Beer, Baseball, and Binds. There we go. Beer, Baseball, and Binds. Can I come do an episode of yours when I come to Hop and Brew? Comes to Hop and Brew, absolutely. All right. We'll put it on the schedule. All right. I'm going to have you, Justin. I'm going to have to brush up on my baseball, and I'll, I'll come yeah. sit in with you guys. We'll throw you Be some here. softball, just like a Mariners pitcher. So. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Ouch. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun live from HomebrewCon here in Providence. I hope you had some fun, Nick. Absolutely. It's always nice to be on with you and uh, speak to these guys. So Let's go drink some beer. Yeah, That sounds like That's a, plan. a plan right there. <laughs> That's it. All right. Send your feedback, questions, and comments to hopandbrewschool at thebrewingnetwork.com. Go to yakimachief.com right now and get your tickets to Hop and Brew School so you can come hang out with all four of us. Uh, we'll be there. there. Uh, five of us, even. Um, and uh, download the app. Go, yeah. Search Yakima Chief. Uh, it's, it's a really well-done app. You can also send your feedback. Uh, John wants to hear from you so that, uh, like everything else Yakima Chief does, how they can improve and make things better for you. We'll see you next time. Take care of yourselves and your beer. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Justin.